Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to our program, The Family Sanctuary, focusing on life-giving relationships and the family. I'm your host, Peggy Hartshorn, Chairman of Heartbeat International, that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And today I have one of my favorite guests, and I hope one of your favorites as well, Perry Cajal, who has uh, been with us many times in the past. We've got some great uh, programs in our archives Um I hope you're a Perry fan. <laughs> I am. Perry, welcome to our program. Thanks, uh, uh, Perry. Great to, great to be back with you. Thank you. And uh, it's great to be back with programming uh, that I know is, is valued uh, in our community and in the whole listening audience. Um, as, as our listeners know, I love to cover programs on marriage. Uh, my husband and I have been married for over 50 years, and, um, you know, marriage is something that, how should I say, there's nothing simple to say about it. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it is so complex, and um, and it affects all of our lives. Uh, most, most people are married or have been married or aspire to be married. Um, and we see marriages all around us, uh, those that are, that are fruitful and, and functioning well and those that aren't. So it's something that is just all around us. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a powerful, powerful, uh, subject to, to, to think through and, and more powerful to live through, right, Perry? <laughs> Yes. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. Let me introduce our guest briefly. Um, Perry received his undergraduate degree from Duke University and Master of Arts and and Doctor of Philosophy uh, in Historical Theology from St. Louis University. He is a professor of Historical Theology and Academic Dean of the School of Theology at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus. So you teach a variety of subjects there. That sounds like such an academic intro it is because you are an academic of course uh and yet what we're going to be talking about today is uh the new book that you've published called living the mystery of marriage building your sacramental life together which is really um an amazing book i think it's so deep and so spiritual and yet also so practical and uh it's 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 not something that would uh, put someone off as being academic at all. So, uh, so this is somewhat of a new audience. Is that right for you, Perry? Who were you um, thinking of as 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 your audience for this new book? Well, first of all, I'm glad to know you that that's your assessment of the book. That's what absolutely. I was for. <laughs> oh, I love but, it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. What the audience I was targeting in this book is not an academic audience. It's not for classroom use. It's basically for couples, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. specifically for couples who are preparing for marriage mm-hmm. or couples who are newly married. I hope there's something in it for every married couple, but the, t- the main target audience is those who are engaged and newly married and for those who are, who are following them through their marriage prep process as they journey towards marriage in the, in the church. 
um, or who are engaged in marriage ministry, that it can mm-hmm. be a resource for them to use with couples. Okay. I was thinking, you know, so many times through the years, you can imagine if my husband and I have been married for over 50 years, that we've gotten lots and lots of wedding presents and engagement presents even. <laughs> and for young couples. And of course, we've worked with young couples. We worked in marriage encounter for a number of years with couples of all different ages. And I would have loved to have had this book. Oh, Oh, absolutely. I think it's it would have made a wonderful gift to young people I know who are um, not even before they're they're engaged, but but as as they grow and mature, and you know that they're probably thinking of marriage in the future, hoping to meet the person that God has uh, in mind for them, they really need to be envisioned about uh, the call of marriage and what what a vocation it really is. Um, so they would benefit from this book, as well as, like you said, the couples that are actually engaged and now preparing for marriage. And those of us, like my husband and me, who helped many of those couples along the way, or even now uh, are working with and mentoring couples, not to mention our own children who are married. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad uh, to hear you say all that. Yeah. I, it, 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 what the... The audience that I tried to hit, and as I was trying to think of, well, how do I pitch this, um, I had a real concrete idea in my mind, and that's my own children. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have children who are in their teenage years, and I thought, well, what do I want them to really know, you know about marriage and married life? Should God call them to that vocation? Sure. Right? And I also believe, regardless of what vocation God calls them to, whether it's religious life, priesthood, marriage, all of those vocations are spousal vocations. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them in, in natural spousehood, you know, called to be parents, biological parents, but but also spiritual parents, right? And spiritual husbands and spiritual wives. So, um, so that that was my kids are the the particular audience I had had in mind as I was sitting down to craft the words. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, you know, another thing I love about the book, Perry, is that it is very easy to read and understand to have such a profound subject as marriage is, and yet you've made it uh, so readable. I I really, I enjoyed reading it. it it's, it's smooth in, in its style. It is um, deep, and yet, as I say, very practical. So I thank you, thank you uh, for for doing this. And um, let me let me. Well, there's so many topics about marriage in the book. You divide it beautifully, but the title, which we've titled our program too, "Living the Mystery of Marriage." You start by kind of explaining why marriage or why you call marriage a mystery. Do you want to start with that? Why is that an unusual word to use to describe marriage? Maybe people who have tried it and haven't had much success say, well, that is a mystery. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And people who've been married 20, 30, 40 years still think it's a mystery. Maybe, yes. <laughs> but I don't think that's exactly the meaning you had in mind, right? No, it isn't. It ultimately, <laughs> it's you know, from St. Paul, you know, when he calls, in, he calls marriage a mystery, a great mystery, in, um, in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 5. You know, as he, he's talking to married couples and families in that particular chapter, and then he says, um, he compares marriage to the, the union between Christ and the church. And then he says, for this reason, marriage is a great mystery. And I mean in relation to Christ and the church. Now, that, term, that word mystery, it's mysterion in Greek, 
in Latin, it's sacramentum. Mm. So it's so it, it means sign. You know, marriage is a great sign, and I mean in reference to Christ in the church. So that's where we get our understanding from from Saint Paul. You know, ultimately from Christ, that marriage is this great sa- sacrament, this great sign of God's of Christ's love for the church. So that's the reason for the title of the book. Ah. Um, Living this mystery, living this great sign, mm-hmm. and and tell us about that because for those of us who uh, memorized our catechism at one point, uh, we know that the definition of a sacrament as a a sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but unpack that a little bit about how marriage is a sign. That's that's a very important part of your book, which yeah. I think is, and you explain it so well. Yeah. So. What I say in the in the book is, or try to explain, is that from the dawn of time, you know, God intended marriage to be this sign of His love for the world, and the sign of of that of the particular love that He wants to share with us human beings. You know, so when you ask yourself why does marriage exist, it's because God wanted to be there, wanted there to be a living, walking, talking, breathing reminder of how much He loves us with this love of the covenant you know, that He shares with us in the Old Testament up through the New Testament and beyond. And it's this love of complete and utter self-donation, right? Him giving himself completely to us and wanting nothing less than, than our complete donation of ourselves to him in return. And marriage is supposed to be this constant living reminder of that type of love. We call married love, married love covenantal love, you know, entering into the covenant of marriage. And then Jesus takes that natural sacrament, if you will, that the sign that's been present from the dawn of time, and he elevates it to a grace-giving reality when he associates it with his love for the church. So now it's not only this natural sign, if you will, but it's one of the seven sacraments in which Christ empowers spouses to love with his love. And that's an incredibly consoling and, you know, and mysterious reality. Empowers to love with his love. Now, I, I know you're, I think you're talking about grace there, right? The Correct. grace of the sacrament. Yes. Okay, so that in in and of ourselves, simply by human nature, um, we cannot give a hundred percent of ourselves because that's <laughs> right. I, I, it's impossible for us to do that. We're, I guess, too self centered and too um, focused on our own needs. And God created us that way too. Of course, we do have to take care of our own needs, but um, but. Maybe you can can expand on that a little bit. That well, sure. um, I mean, we we say yes, I love the other person. That's why I want to get married. I love the other person, but um, usually that that kind of experience of love that we have in the early stages of a relationship when we're courting and and even engaged, it's not the kind of love that you're talking about now with. Uh, as the as the an example of the total love of Christ, right? We we probably touched on this at some point in some of our other discussions, but the meaning of love. But you know, the, the, the love I'm talking about is love as it's formally defined, willing the good of the other. Okay. Right? That that love is not a feeling, which is ultimately why I think a lot of marriages fail in our culture because people buy into this idea that love is just about feel goods, and when the feel goods, you know start to recede or go away, then they think, well, I must have made a wrong decision. If I married the right person, I'd still be feeling great. Hmm. No, that's not at all. You know, you stop feeling good because guess what? You're two sinners that married each other. And that's a recipe <laughs> for at some point in your life not feeling good. Yeah. Right? So 
And of course, that applies to all of us because Absolutely. we are all sinners. So that's exactly exactly right. And you know, we all suffer with the effects of original sin, as you said. You know, the, the um, sacri- not being unwilling to sacrifice, being self centered, um, and we need God's grace to help us love, willing the good of the other, which means being willing to undertake sacrifice and even suffering. Mm-hmm. So um, that is. Pretty profound, obviously. <laughs> uh, and I, I think you get at the concept. Again, this I, I love the way you, you explain things in the book. Uh, they, they came at least very clear to me when you talk about um, made in the image and likeness of God. As a person who spent most of my ministry time in the pro-life movement, uh, with my husband, of course, that's our, uh, that is our ministry, um, it's so ordinary and common for us to say about the dignity of the human person, we are made in the image and likeness of God. Okay, now what does that really mean? I think that as sometimes I've thought about it, we're made in the image and likeness of God. Well, you know, God gave us free will. Um, uh, God himself is is a creature of will, of course. So, But unpacking that the way you explain it, you start out early in the book, talking about made in the image and likeness of God. So how does that relate to, uh, to, to this idea of self-giving love? Yeah, it's directly relatable. Because when you say that we're made in the image and likeness of God, you're saying a mouthful. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. multifaceted reality. But one of the, the ways in which we're made in God's image, I think, often gets overlooked, and, it looked, and it's something that... Uh, Pope St. John Paul II stressed, is that we're made in the, in the image of a relational God, you know, a God who in his inner life is Trinity, this infinitely intimate dynamism of love, and this self-giving of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and total reception of each other into their very selves. And it's, if we're made in that image, right, then it means that we cannot find ourselves you know, unless we give ourselves away in love, both to God and to others. And it's only in that act of self-gift that we find who we are, that we realize that we're made to be and to exist in relation. Wow, that is that is profound. <laughs> and and what I love about the book is, though, you don't just drop these profound ideas on us, but you give examples, you you give uh, options for people to reflect as they're reading the chapter on how does this relate to me. And then you really answer some concrete questions at the end of every chapter to help us to help us really absorb the the depth of what you're saying. Uh, let me reintroduce our guest. If you just joined us, our guest is Perry Cahall, who is a uh, professor uh, and in in actually the dean of the School of Theology at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he's an expert on the theology of the body and. Um, He's taken a foray here from uh, focusing on academic uh, production, articles, books, and so forth for teaching. Uh, now he's written a, a beautiful book. Uh, I, I don't. I'm going to say a small book. It's not a tome. It's not difficult to read. It's it's easily readable, uh, but very profound. Called "Living the Mystery of Marriage: Building Your Sacramental Life Together." So uh, as a frequent guest on the program, and you can find some of his programs in the archives, uh, I have loved 
exploring these ideas with you, Perry, uh, as as we've talked in various programs, and now to see them all together in this beautiful, uh, I'm saying little book, because again, it's not a tome, it's not a textbook, it's it's a book that would make a beautiful gift for young people in your lives, couples you know who may be discerning marriage, uh, if they've just gotten engaged, or frankly, for couples uh, who have many, many years of experience with marriage, uh, because you're always learning more about God's call. And uh, I loved reading it, even though I've been married uh, over 50 years. So, <laughs> And not only did I love reading it, I was challenged by it, too, Perry. Uh, wow. Obviously, we can, we're always challenged to live up to God's plan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I that reminds me. I was I once gave a uh, gave a talk on marriage, and my wife was there in the audience, and I was introduced as an expert on marriage, and I just started laughing. And I, <laughs> I said, you know, I think my wife will want to reserve time for rebuttal. <laughs> right. There's a difference between understanding it in the head right. and really living it in the heart and and in your life. So we all need that challenge. I would highly recommend the book. By the way, uh, it is available on Amazon.com. Uh, and author's name, Cahal, C-A-H-A-L-L, and also on LTP.org. Did you say that stands for, what does that stand for, uh, Perry? Liturgy Training Publications. Liturgy Training Publications.org. Yep. So mm-hmm. if you uh, are obviously uh, in a ministry that relates to marriage, um, you know, you may already know that resource, but most of us would be uh, Amazon.com. You know, I think, Perry, one of the chapters that really touched me, um, and I don't know, maybe maybe you've used this term in our interviews in the past, but you have, and chapter three is called A Married Spirituality of Tenderness. Mm-hmm. And um, that that was not, I mean, that was somewhat of a new way, as I was reading it, of for me to understand and relate to uh, this marriage's spirituality. I had never thought of using that term, um, but I, I thought it was really powerful. Would you, you want to explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, it w- for several years, I was trying to find a particular term that would be, that would identify married spirituality. And I could never come up with the term. And then it was several years back, I finally read uh, an article that was published by the, uh, a document that was published by the Pontifical Co- Council for the Family, and they talked about married uh, tenderness in marriage and the importance of living tenderness with each other. And I thought, that's it. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to think, well, what are some of these key elements of a married spirituality of tenderness? And the, the idea of tenderness is that it's, it's, it's marked by uh, being attuned to the other, you know, being very attentive to the other person, which is what's unique to marriage. I mean, it's it's... You're living your life together, the two become one, and now your prayer life, your faith life has to be lived jointly. So it's this tender, um, it's tenderness that marks the spirituality more than any other type of spirituality. And then I started to try to, to identify what I thought were some important aspects of this tenderness, uh, and I came up with reverencing, you know, um, sacrificing, suffering, um, and ultimately, you know, all of this leading to the to the resurrection, but reverencing, sacrificing, uh, suffering. And repairing. And repairing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, 
and all of those, I think, are necessary day-to-day habits, practices. Because I also think spirituality oftentimes gets too locked into um, prayer life. You know, people think of spirituality as just referring to the devotions that I practice or the time that I spend in prayer. But the essence of, of Catholic Christian spirituality is trying to conform ourselves more perfectly to the person of Christ with the assistance of His grace. You know, so this conforming to Christ that happens in marriage involves the give and the take of the couple, and these, this attempt to reverence each other and sacrifice for each other and suffer for each other and to repair the relationship when things are gone, have gone awry or when forgiveness is needed for healing. Um, so that's, in sum, that, that chapter on the spirituality of tenderness. And it's not, I'm not claiming that that chapter is all-encompassing of a married spirituality. I just think those are particular aspects of married life that sometimes get, sometimes get overlooked when people talk about married spirituality. Mm-hmm. What, would you define each of those? Um, reverencing, sure. sacrificing, that sounds, I think I understand sacrificing, but maybe not. Suffering and repairing, reverencing, sacrificing, suffering and repairing. Yeah, so reverencing is, I took my inspiration there again from John Paul II when he talks about reverence as being the foundation of, of uh, spirituality and, and the relationship between spouses. You know, reverence in terms of being in awe at the gift that God has given you. You know, the gift of your own life, the gift of your spouse's life, the gift of your life together, um, the gift of your sexuality, you know, the gift of your children, a constant reverence for all those gifts. Right, a sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. um, and showing reverence for each other in small and in, in, in large ways throughout your days, throughout your life together. Sacrificing is, I think, more self-evident to people, but sacrifice doesn't mean, you know, a sacrifice of desolation. It means a sacrifice of oblation, you know, giving something to somebody to show your, um, your love for them. You know, your dependence on them in certain ways. That's what we do when we sacrifice things for God. We do that because we to show Him our gratitude, our love, and our ultimate dependence on Him. And to do that in your in the give and take of married life, you know, to to sacrifice for the good of your spouse and for your family. Mm-hmm. And um, you give some examples. I remember in the chapter about that. Yes, the everyday right. I mean, examples. And 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 you know as well as I, I mean, the the opportunities to sacrifice for your spouse and for your family are almost daily. Mm-hmm. You know, not often big things, but you know, setting aside some of your own wants to serve the need of needs of your of your spouse mm-hmm. and your family. Um, suffering, I think that's of the four. That's probably one that needs to be talked the most about because I think, you know, suffering is that which our culture tends to flee from. You know, they see it suffering as the worst evil of all, and when in fact the worst evil is sin. But couples need to understand suffering and the theology of suffering as they live their life together. You know, it's experiencing suffering doesn't mean your relationship has ended or that there's something wrong with you. It simply means that you live in a fallen world, and that suffering is inevitable. It'll mm-hmm. come from without your relationship and challenges that face you as you move through life together. And it'll come from interior to relationship, as you know, one of you says, you know, unkind, unfeeling words that really strikes the other to the heart. You know, and to be willing to undertake that suffering and suffering the conversion of each other to grow in love. Mm-hmm. And then the repairing part is, you know, it's 
it's important I also to talk about that and what I what I call a throwaway culture in which people think you know things wear out, we'll just throw it away and get another one. Well, you shouldn't think of your spouse as a throwaway item, mm-hmm. you know. And when you do hurt each other, which inevitably will happen, you know, sadly, in this world, the person that you will hurt the most as, as a married person is your spouse, mm-hmm. because they're the closest to you. And the unkind words, or the, you know, the kind of iciness, or just the kind of forgetfulness of the other person's needs, or slighting them, will hurt them more than anybody else. And when that happens to undertake this effort of repairing, which I got that one from Father Raniero Cantalamesa, who's been the preacher to the papal household for years, since John Paul II was Pope. And he talks about the art of repairing. And that means one of the main pieces of the art of repairing is forgiveness. You know, when I realize that I've done something wrong to be able to humble myself to say, I'm sorry. You know, and for the recipient of that plea to actually to say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And that art of repairing, you know, restores and renews and breathes into life, into a relationship, into a married, uh, into a married couple's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- I know we've discussed that on, on programs before, Perry, um, but have the way you explain it in this chapter, I think, is really beautiful, and you give a lot of concrete, very relatable examples. Um, and tying it, you know, into the bundle of the with the term tenderness, I think is really a challenge. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you you see couples being tender, maybe with their children, um, right. uh, babies, particular particularly, even with their pets. Right. <laughs> but yeah. not often do we really witness it uh, with married couples. I hope um, you know that, and my prayer would be that that this is a real challenge that we take up in our own marriages. And uh, like you have pointed out in the book, if we do, that is bound to be evident to the people around us. And uh, that then is a perfect example of how marriage is a sacrament, a sign of Christ's love in this world. We're an example of it. So what a beautiful challenge. Well, Perry, we're almost out of time. We've got uh, just a, a minute or so left. Is there anything you would like to leave us with? Oh, we only have one minute. Wow. Um, quick then. <laughs> well, I would say, you know, what I would like people to take away, you know, from from this book when they read it is the understanding that God has a plan for mm-hmm. married love. Mm-hmm. You know, marriage isn't something that he, that we created. It's not an arbitrary invention. It's been there from the beginning, endowed by God with certain properties for a particular end. Mm-hmm. And it, and to embrace this vocation is to embrace an exciting and challenging life together. But God will give give couples the grace to live it. Well, that's beautiful, Perry. What a beautiful message. And I, I know people will love your book. Thank you so much for responding to God's call to do that. And you're listening uh, to The Family Sanctuary on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio with archives at stgabrielradio.com. And we're streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. So listen to The Family Sanctuary at 4 o'clock every Saturday and 2 o'clock at Sundays. And join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intends. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com.